0: Hey, the title of the message is Awakened. I have three grandsons. And the oldest, I like to call him the new and improved Greg Denham. His name is Greg Denham. He's Greg Denham number three. Now, we were out. We had a little... Uh, ice cream cone the other day for it's actually my birthday, so I just thought, what could be better than take my firstborn grandson, four years of age, out, you know, these double dip cones and stuff over at Dairy Queen. You guys know what I'm talking about? Are they not awesome or what? Is it Dairy Queen or something like that? No, Frosty Freeze or something, whatever. And uh, so I was just telling him about this. He's four. He's never had a double dipped in his life, you know. So I get a chance to uh, to you know introduce him to the double dipped, and I'd been working this thing up for a whole week, and he's been like, Papa, how big is it going to be and we're talking about it all this stuff anyways I asked him a question when we were out um, and, it, and I asked him really quick I wasn't sure he was going to get it but I said Greg who is the son of my son and it it, it kind of I kind of thought it went right over his head who is the son of my son and, and his eyes raced a little bit and he paused and he said I am and I said that's right you see your dad is my son And you are the son of my son. You are my grandson. And that means really, really special and things. Well, he knows, he calls me Bapa. He he named me Bapa. Sometimes he shortens it and he calls me Bops. But, um, He knows my three favorite subjects to talk about is Jesus, family, and Israel. It's really interesting. He remembers these things. And I'm really repetitive on all of those subjects. And and so I asked him the question, who is the son of my son? Because I actually just wanted to celebrate the connection the relationship that I have with him. And I like to do that over and over again. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. Like, who are you? Now, here's the thing. Before... You answer that, let me caution you on something. You need to know that there's no one more influential in your life than you are. You say, no, Greg, the Lord is more influential. Well, this is what I mean. You see, we're the ones that manage the thoughts inside of our head. How many of you understand that and agree with it? We're the ones that filter the ideas and manage the thoughts. Of course, the Lord has, is the greatest influence in our life. But it's very, very important that we are listening to him that we have an understanding of who we are in relation with the Father in Christ. Can I hear a big amen to that? So it's like, before you answer who you are, which gives you a sense of your purpose and the greater picture of your life, I'm just telling you right now, in many ways, you're gonna play a big role in that. Because the greatest voice you hear, well, it's the Lord, but the voice you hear most in your life is actually the voice of yourself and the ideas that you are allowing to influence your life. And if there's mismanagement and not a right filter, uh, in your thought process, let me tell you, there's gonna be an identity crisis, which is a real bummer. I'm reminded of a guy who couldn't make up his mind what side to fight on in the Civil War, so he wore like a Union jacket and the pants of the Confederate Army and he went out in battle and he was shot from both sides, you see. It's like, so watch this. Okay. I either get my sense of identity vertically, which that's where we need to get it, who we are in our father's eyes in Christ, or we're going to get it based on horizontal realities, what I do, whether I was successful or not, you know, where I go to school, uh, what relationships that I'm a part of. And if that's the case, if I'm trying to wear two jackets, like who I am in Christ, and then I'm trying to wear the pants or something of the horizontal realities in my life, it results in a terrible identity crisis. Yet it's possible. I mean, even for believers to not allow who they really are, who you really are in Christ, to really, really sink in. You know, John 3.1, we have it up on the screen, says, See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his, can someone tell me? Children, that's no small thing. And that is what we are. But I'm telling you, it's possible that you can preach an anti-gospel in your own heart. It's like the ideas that you're allowing to influence you are anti-gospel. When the reality is that in Christ, I mean, we have the Lord's presence right now. Can I hear an amen to that? We have his provision promise. Look, we have the power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's a flat out fact. And we have the ever present one, the Savior King, the Christ in our lives right now. Now we have our unbelieving friends we love so much. We love the world just as our precious Lord does. And look, there can be major identity crisis in their hearts and minds as well. I'm reminded of a song penned by one of my favorite lyricists aside from Marty Goetz. John Foreman who entitled one of his songs The Confession of St. Augustine and he penned Augustine just woke up with a broken heart all this time he's never been awake before. At 31, his whole world is a question mark. All this time, he's never been awake before. Watching dreams that he once had feed the flame inside his head. In a quiet desperation of the emptiness, he says, there's got to be something more than what I'm living for. And I'm crying out to you. You say, Greg, why are we beginning this way? Because I'm telling the story of Nehemiah. is a man who like awakened to who he really is. And the parallels between Nehemiah and you as a believer are just incredible. I mean, the reality is you are a Nehemiah in 2016. You you are a Nehemiah in this generation. Did you know that? Do you know who you really are? Nehemiah had a time where he was like, yeah, just awaken. He's like, I was just like to my son, like, who is who is the son of my son, you know, to, to baby Greg. And he, he wake, woke up, I, I, I am. And it's like for Nehemiah, he had this awakening and it was incredible. And, and, and it, it had a big impact upon history. It had an impact upon the future of Israel. He, he was a part of a work that was tied to the future work of the Lord Jesus. I mean, I, I mean, it, and it was a work that was a part of future generations, even though he didn't seize that. He, he was, he was a part of an incredible work. And the reality is you are as well. We need to study this. Please look here in verse 1. We learn a few things. One is Nehemiah actually means comforter, a beautiful name. And he really is a type of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about it a little bit later. The son of Hakaliah. It says it came to pass in the month of Chislev, which is actually between November and December. The 20th year translates to 444 B.C., and he was in Shushan, the citadel, which happens to be the capital city of the Persian Empire, the site of the king's winter palace. Look at here for a second. You're thinking, wait, um, where do I put this in context in world history? And who is Nehemiah? Uh, he's a Jew. He's a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What's a good Jewish boy doing in modern-day Iran? Well, that's a good question. Because 170 years prior, you have the king of Babylon who marched into Jerusalem, and took the Judeans by, as slaves and, and like forced them back to Babylon. And it's been 170 years since that time period. Now the Lord actually said this was going to happen. And that they would be disciplined, it could be said. That Israel was in a very, very vulnerable place of disobedience. That the Lord, just kind of speed this up, this story. You're going to owe me 70 years because an absence of disobedience with regard to uh, Sabbath years. So you're going to owe me 70 years in captivity in Babylon. But after that, I'm going to open up, I'm going to pave this door in the wilderness and and just bring a great stream of life and begin to bring you back into your homeland, specifically back to the epicenter of Jewish identity, which is Jerusalem. And so you have Nehemiah at this time. Well, it's 170 years after many Jews were taken into Babylon and you have had these waves of jews returning to israel and nehemiah is in a very prominent place he's kind of the secretary state of the most powerful man humanly speaking in the world at this time okay so that's the setting even though please hear this he's in a prominent position nehemiah recognized that he was actually a member of something much bigger he, he he knew that the Lord had a contract with Israel, or a covenant, in other words, that God gave Israel. Now, this is very important, okay? Because it's not a term that we often use, but I really want our church family to get this. Covenant, is kind of like a contract. It's a binding promise. Once God gives a covenant, it's like it's as sure as anything you could ever imagine. He can't cancel his character. God gave a contract, a covenant to Israel that involved a piece of real estate known as the land of Israel. Can I hear a big amen, right? And that still is in existence today. Okay, that the Lord would make a great nation that through the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the entire world would be blessed in Messiah. I mean, that, that was promises. Those were, that, that had us to do with covenant. Now watch this. Nehemiah, though he is like five, 700 miles away from Israel, He is having a special awakening that, you know what? I am a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am a person of covenant. I am a part of something bigger than myself. It's like in our country, we too have a sense or a need even to feel um, or to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. It's called transcendence. And, and we, we try to kind of scratch this itch like in sports, you know, maybe on Sunday morning we're wearing a jersey of our favorite team and if they win, we feel like we won. You know, some are you know wearing number 18, you know, Peyton Manning's jersey and he had a good game and so, you know, someone wearing his jersey feels like, hey, I had a good game too. You know what I mean? It's like a sense of being a part of something bigger than ourselves. We, we try to get it Uh, In sports, we try to get a sense of national identity, even social media. But here's the thing, that that longing that we have to be a part of something much bigger than ourselves is is put there by the Lord, because we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves. Actually, as Christians, we are members of the covenant in Christ, And, and that is a big monster incredible plan that ultimately Jesus creates everything new in himself I mean look at verse 5 we have it on the screen I mean Nehemiah ends up saying you keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments I mean, Nehemiah recognized that the Lord had foretold that Israel would be scattered among the nations, but if Israel returned to the Lord, they would be regathered to their homeland. He believed that. It's like he believed in the promises of God. He believed in the plan of God. And if you pick it up here in verse six, let's read a little bit. He says, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open. That you hear the prayer of your servant, which I prayed before you, Now day and night for the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you are unfaithful, I'm going to scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me, And keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out of the farthest of the heavens, yet I will gather you from there. Bring you to the place where I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day. I pray and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was the king's. Can someone tell me? Cup bearer. We're going to get back to that in just a little bit. Very important. But look, why, what's the point that I'm trying to make? Um, here it is. Nehemiah, okay, was inspired. He was like awakened. Because he believed in a covenant that God gave his people. How many of you are tracking on that point? Seriously, just raise your hand. Okay, now, here's a parallel to our lives. And this is the point number one if you're writing down notes. Look, you are a person of covenant in Christ. The question is, is the covenant in Christ, man, is it impacting your life? I mean, do you feel it? How deep is the reality of the plan of God that's in Messiah, the Lord Jesus, how deep is it moving you? You know, every time we receive communion, which would be a great day to do so, and there's broken bread and the cup, the symbolic of the Lord's blood and the broken body symbolic of his, so broken bread symbolic of his body, we are actually celebrating This covenant again. Remember, Nehemiah was a man of covenant. He he knew God had a plan for Israel that ultimately the entire world would be blessed through the descendants of Israel, particularly Messiah. And so that that's moving him to do something really extraordinary. Okay, you, as a believer, us, we are people of covenant and when like we take the bread what we are saying is lord you are the sinless savior and and like as we digest it i am one with you i am one with a bunch of brothers and sisters big small black or white it's like not only that but like While you are not here in bodily form anymore, you actually do have a body and it is us and we are members of your body. We are your hands and feet in this generation. It's like Nehemiah is going back to Jerusalem and we'll read this in a second. It's broken down. The walls have been destroyed. You got this insecurity, but I want to be a part of the solution, Nehemiah is saying. And it's like, okay, well, we're kind of a type of Nehemiah in this generation, the Holy Spirit is in us and wants to work through us. And it's like, okay, well, I take that very seriously. So Lord, what do you want to accomplish in my life? And, and he, he really is looking for more than, than really ability. He's just look, simply looking for availability. But, but let me ask you, how serious do you take the bread? How deeply does the bread, symbolic of the body of Christ, how deep you know is it filtered in your soul the 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 cup well it's symbolic of the blood of Jesus and what I'm celebrating is Jesus paid it all and I believe Jesus broke the power of sin Do, do you believe that in your life do you believe that I believe that in Christ I'm forgiven. I believe that I am empowered to live a godly life. I believe that in Christ I have the unconditional love of the Father. See, so here's the thing. Someone who actually fails to discern the covenant, okay, as believers, like the bread and the cup, if you will, and act upon it, here's the thing. It leads to unnecessary unnecessary weakness and vulnerability, This is what the Bible teaches, but it also undermines us being a witness in our generation. See, there's a reason Nehemiah felt so deeply. It it was because he was a man of covenant. And it produced uh, a burden for his generation to the extent that he wept and he prayed and he fasted. And if you want to get a window into this guy's soul, which is so killer, like get into into his emotional, volitional, and intellectual life. Go back to verse 2. Let's read it. Because it says that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach, and the wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. And so it was when I heard these things. Just check this out. I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, oh great and awesome God. Pause here for a second. Okay, whoa. He's moved by this, obviously. You know, those broken walls speak of broken lives. Really summarizing this prayer in chapter one, we're moving through this fairly quickly. He's basically saying, Lord, I, I, it doesn't have to be this way. A lot of brokenness. And Lord, you have something so much better. And there's an answer. And there's this covenant at play. Oh, you know, I'm a Jew, right? I'm a part of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and you have a calling on us nationally and ultimately in Messiah. And I really believe that. And I believe the best is yet to come. And, and as believers, as, as in Christ, we are... We are people of covenant as well. Can I hear another big amen to that? And it's like, hey, it's it just like the family doesn't have to be that way. The, the neighbor, really, the brokenness there doesn't have to be that way. There's hope in the Lord. And it's like, um, I am carrying the heart of Jesus in this generation. Nehemiah traveled to Jerusalem. He spearheaded a movement that resulted in the walls of the city being repaired and rebuilt in a record 52 days. Let me just say, like Nehemiah, and this is point number two, look, you are burdened by the condition of brokenness, aren't you not? You know, what this generation will draw out, you guys, is what we really believe is the solution. It's true. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a political year, right? So is this solution a political platform or the hill of Calvary? Is it? the right Congress or the counterculture of the assembly of God, that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Because I'm telling you right now, I mean, this year in a lot of ways will draw out from our hearts because we are amidst this political year and we're hearing the debates and we're hearing you know, the challenges that we're facing what we really believe the solution is. I mean, is the solution to the brokenness in our country and in our own lives and the world, is the solution Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except it be through me? Or is it some democratic, republican platform? Is it a political solution? I'm just telling you, look how we're responding to our challenges in our country, how we're responding to those who are, you know, running for president, says a lot about what we truly believe is the solution. And I just want to give you a little background. Only 50,000 Jews have returned to Israel, which meant that like thousands upon thousands actually are still remaining in Persia. They're not acting on the covenant that the Lord had given them. There have been three waves of Jews who have returned to Jerusalem after the Babylonian captivity under Zerubbabel and Ezra and now under Nehemiah. And you have the foundation of the temple that has been rebuilt and the temple has been refurbished, but people are scared to go to the city and really to worship. The temple is not fully operational. They're just vulnerable. They're getting attacked by enemies. I mean, you need some walls. We need security. We need some assurance here. Nehemiah's role is going to be critical. But look, as a Christian, you're a member in the body of Christ, which in essence means you are needed to contribute. Every single one of us as believers are like members of the the physical representation, the body of Jesus Christ in this generation, is that not awesome or what? And really, please hear me, you guys. Look, every single one of us, if we're gonna be awakened, because we really are a type of Nehemiah, if we're gonna be awakened like Nehemiah, we really have to ask this question. Okay, um, Lord, how can I help in this generation on a local level among my brothers and sisters in Christ as it pertains to the work of the gospel of Jesus. I mean, we all really need to ask it. that is so counter kind of intuitive to the major consumer generation that we live in, which is like, what's in it for me? But listen, I've been a pastor most of my life and there's too much of the mindset that it's like, even even among believers, when they show up to Jerusalem, I mean, could you imagine Nehemiah? He shows up to Jerusalem, he looks at it and he he sees the broken walls and it's burnt and stuff and he's like, oh man, this is gonna be a hassle. (laughs) Um, well, I might have to get my hands dirty here. This is going to require a little sweat. And it's like, even if we build the walls, I mean, it's going to take a, a while for it to kind of sink in in the community and things to be fully operational. And how is this going to impact the, the big picture? And I come from a really good job in Persia and stuff. And, and I'm, not so, I'm not so sure there's going to be like radical measurable results in my generation. So as a result, I don't know if it's really worth my time. That's not what his attitude was. No way. That's, because that's not what a man or a woman of God is. It's like, look, all of us, God help us, we need to say, look, how can I contribute on a local level in a church family because I am a Nehemiah along with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, if we're going to be an awakened Nehemiah and act on the covenant in Christ and at times it's not going to be easy, and we should expect some pushback. Because when Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem, this is in chapter 2, so we're going to have to move ahead a little bit. Certain Arabs came against him. Nehemiah 2.10, you can look at it. They did not want Nehemiah to prosper. Let me just tell you something. Look, there is a spiritual battle that is taking place in this generation. How many of you believe that? Could you raise your hand? I'm telling you right now, there is opposition in the unseen world. It's true. The devil's not behind every bush. He's not omnipotent. He's not omniscient. But there is definitely a battle. And it's like, against believers, I'm convinced. I, don't, I can't get in the head of the devil. I'm not even interested in doing so. But I, I, I just could imagine, because he is our enemy, that... He's going to want, right, a bunch of believers who are people of covenant. Covenant means plan of God in Christ, right? As believers, to just not be awakened. To just kind of sleep. Kind of be a many of the thousands who remained in Persia and did not go to Jerusalem, if you know what I'm talking about, according to this, this passage. Just to remain dormant. I mean, what was... The strategy of Nehemiah's enemies was actually to distract Nehemiah with with misinformation, a misinformation campaign. Let me just try to summarize it. These Arabs came in and, and just began to like float these ideas that what Nehemiah was doing did not have the approval of the king for where he came. So that means if you, like, join what he is doing, you know, you, you could be, like, um, charged as, like, being treasonous. It could cost you your life. Now, here's what the temptation that Nehemiah, you know, faced, no doubt, was do I respond to this misinformation campaign, this smear campaign against my character and, and, the, and, the, and the purpose that God has me here and spend my time, you know, writing editorials in the Jerusalem Post and stuff, or do I focus on what God's called me to do? Because if he starts to like get overly concerned about the smear campaign, he becomes divided and Sambala and Tobiah end up winning. The question that we have to ask is, my goodness, are we distracted today? Are we distracted from the covenant? Are we distracted from the calling that the Lord has upon our lives? Oh, how we need the help of God's spirit. Can I hear a big amen to that? And here's the big picture. Building the walls of Jerusalem, please hear me, was the beginning of a great revival and awakening in Israel. The walls needed to be restored in order for the temple to be fully operational and the worship restored and and God glorified. So Nehemiah, if he puts his energy in answering the slander and all the distraction, the enemy could very well win. Look, church family, you know, I need to kind of speak. I gotta be, I gotta be careful about tapping into some, some emotions here. So uh, not to overqualify, but that's the flat of fact. So I just need to kind of get this message out as best I can, suppressing emotions. Are you tracking with me on this? Okay, now look, hey, we're amidst the transition. We're amidst the transition. That will impact generations to come if the Lord tarries. And church family, I want to ask you to begin praying for the new pastor that's going to be here. What a wonderful man he is. I love his name, Joshua, which means Lord is salvation. Joshua Blevins, I want you to pray for him. Believe me when I tell you this. Okay, there's a battle going on. Being a pastor is not easy. And you need the prayers of your church family. You need God's protection. You need your brothers and sisters standing with you because the battle is very real. And let me tell you something about him. He's a wonderful man of God. He understands the importance of healthy systems of communication and organization. And yet more importantly... He understands what the source of our strength is, which is the person and work of the Holy Spirit. This is a young man who marches on his knees. And I've been honored and privileged to work with him these last few months. And I encourage you to prepare your heart at this time. Listen, we're Christians. Okay, this is not the Republican or Democrat. We are Christians. It's like we we have Christian minds that we see past, present, and future through a biblical lens, okay? I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, to listen, to listen, and go vertical, to pray about how you can be a part of a remnant here that's going to become something really beautiful and continue to be impactful in this generation and in future generations if the Lord were to tarry. And I want you to pray about it. Seriously, if you, I just want you to pray. You got to go vertical. You got to pray. Think what Nehemiah doing. He's praying. And it wasn't, it wasn't a short prayer. He's praying for months. He's really going vertical and he's seeking the Lord. And, and that's where our strength lies. And the Lord meets us in such a powerful way. And to insert this real quick, look, next week, this will be my last week as the pastor here. And I, I really want you to come back. Please don't just leave, okay? My, my son asked me, what is if no one shows up next week? Okay, well, can, just don't do that, okay? Come, please, because we're going to have a beautiful time. Hey, guess who's going to be here? The Lord's going to be here. It's going to be awesome, all right? So we're going to worship. We're going to grow together and things. It's going to be a beautiful time. And, to, and we're still figuring out the service, but somehow, some way, Josh will be here, of course, and we will pray for him, and we'll have a beautiful celebration. Uh, But I just want to say, I want to give a little heads up. Look, be a Nehemiah in this generation. Be a Nehemiah in this generation. Uh, You know, today's Valentine's Day, I've been thinking about my precious wife, who is a Nehemiahite, you know, a a female, however you want to say it as a female. But she really has been such a Nehemiah, and I just love you with everything. Mom, my dove, my love. Because let me tell you, if I could just say real quick, sincerely, you don't know, but she's been a fighter. Oh my goodness, a fighter. You know, John Foreman lyric, you know, know, just, you know, been a fighter like Cassius Clay, you know, and she has been. And she has been an incredible light for me and for our church family. I'm telling you, by the grace of God, amidst gray skies, amidst rains, man. So I just thank you, Mom, with all my heart for that. So you know what? Follow my wife's example (laughs) because she's been a godly Nehemiahite. And I want the rest of the church to do the same amidst this time. Look, we are nearing the return of our precious Lord. You know, Nehemiah, his work had to do with Jerusalem. Your work has to do with Jerusalem because everything is moving towards Jerusalem. Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem. I mean, one day his kingdom will materialize on planet earth and and the weight of his justice and his love and his glory will shake, will shake this earth. So just live with, live for what is of true weight of the glory of God, church family. Can I hear a big amen to that? There's so much at stake. Especially because like Nehemiah, we are the cupbearer of the king. I mean, like we are carrying in this generation a different cup, the cup of redemption that speaks of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And this is the third point. Look, you are a conduit of the Holy Spirit that convicts a world in need of Christ. Oh, how important this is. Look. Look. Church family, remember something. You, know, you can look at circumstances and challenges through a variety of lenses. You can look at it through an economic lens, a social lens, an ideological lens, a religious lens. But the truth of who the Lord is and his law, his righteousness, is, is a lens that reveals that... We need desperately help outside of ourselves. Who we really are is who we are beginning from the inside out. You know, Jesus said, for example, you've heard in times past, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, you know, if it's brewing from the inside out, if you're looking upon someone some woman other than your spouse and you want them in your bed i mean you got hey look that's where sin begins and and what that reveals is like a a spiritual cancer kind of down on a cellular level it's big it's it's it it, the small thing is the big thing the big the big problem today is not economic or social even everyone's religious because everybody has a worldview everybody has an idea of why we're here in one way shape or form the lens that reveals the condition of man is is the law of God, his righteousness. And what it reveals is, oh my goodness gracious, like, you know, deep down inside, we are in desperate need of the Lord. We need him. We need his forgiveness. We need his healing. We need his renewing in our lives. So it's like when we say we are a conduit of the Holy Spirit that convicts a world in need of Jesus, oh my goodness gracious, there's power in the name of Jesus. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Those who call upon the name of the, can someone tell me, Lord shall be saved. Listen, we are ambassadors of Christ. He is the shalom. He is our peace. He is the Savior King. And it's like, more than ever, we need to be super bold and we need God's help by his Holy Spirit. I really believe in many ways John 3.16 is going to pop like never before. Let's be bold with it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever would believe shall not, can someone tell me, perish. Well, look at the breakdown that's taking place. Perish carries the idea of disintegration, breakdown, decay. You shall not perish. Oh, what a lovely, beautiful thing you are, Lord. You reached out to, we shall not break down inside out, families, neighbors, country, world. You shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a generation that needs to know the Lord is holy, the Lord is righteous. It reveals deep down inside through like the x-ray of the word of God, my goodness gracious, who Greg Denham is really is who I am inside. And that, that requires and needs a love rescue like in a big way. Can you see how important it is that we feel the right things deeply like Nehemiah did? There's no mistaking prayer played a big role. Jim Sumbala, a great pastor in Brooklyn, said, our problem is not with a godless secular America, but with a church that is increasingly prayerless, compromised, and demoralized and weak. We have drifted away from the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Where will we find the grace to change, to turn things around, when we will be desperate enough to come to God just as we are, pleading for his help and ready to follow wherever he leads. Can I hear an amen to that? Let's pray. Let's pray. In fact, I'm going to ask Marty. Marty, you back there? Come on back for a second. We're not done yet. Let's, let, let, let's like be Nehemiah's here. Let me share something with you, three things. Like the Lord, he knows everything about you. Even down to a cellular level, he, he, he knows your parents were perfect. He knows when you were hurt, when you were 15 or 25, he knows how you responded to that. He knows your fears. He knows your anxieties. He, he knows the circumstances in your home, what you're facing outside your home. He, he sees the pain. He sees the brokenness. And what he sends to us is a Nehemiah. Nehemiah means comforter. He gives us himself. He gives us the Holy Spirit that brings healing. And he continues to work in our lives. And it's not just a one-time deal. It's a process. I mean, salvation is a gift. It's the miracle of the moment. We receive it on a drop of a dime, but... In moments like this, the Nehemiah comes to us, and you don 't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, which would mean like doing something that is clearly does not have the father 's approval, or you know of something that 's right and you don 't do it. That would be like like in a dance, which I love that metaphor you would not be in harmony with the Holy Spirit. You would be stepping on his toes or turning your back on him, which is not a good thing. Why? Because he has all of our best interests in mind. Can I hear an amen to that? So you want to just go, okay, I'm going to let go of the bitterness. I want to forgive. I want to step out in love. There's a certain vulnerability. Man, there was vulnerability in Nehemiah to go to Jerusalem. And the second thing is, I want us to be in an attitude of prayer that this would be an incredible season of renewal and awakening. As two church families, are joined as one. It's like we're going to be in Jerusalem, our Jerusalem, this Auburn, and we get to work shoulder to shoulder with other brothers and sisters in Christ under the leading and guiding and managing of the Holy Spirit of Nehemiah. Can I hear an amen to that? And then listen to the Holy Spirit as he brings the Lord Jesus, front and center to your life. Let me, let me tell you something. Jesus came to this very city, Jerusalem, but the temple, oh my goodness, the temple had been being rebuilt and refurbished by Herod. It is gorgeous. I've, seen, I've touched the stones, the walls. I've walked on the pavements. I, say, I mean, it was just beautiful, but there was, there was darkness. There was breakdown. There was disintegration. He came to the city of Jerusalem where we end up seeing the greatest revelation ever revealed to man. Love on display, justice on display, mercy on display, redemption on display, as Jesus is lifted up on the cross, as He gives His life for us, as He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He resurrects, demonstrating He is who He claimed to be. He ascends to heaven from the hill outside of Jerusalem, demonstrating that He is the King, He is the Sovereign, and He is coming again. And listen, my brothers and sisters. You are in Christ. The brokenness is healed in Jesus. Your future is secure in Jesus. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Can I hear another amen to that? Is he not awesome? Here's what I want to do. I would like to ask anyone who would like prayer. Anyone who would like prayer and say, Man, I want to be a man of covenant or woman of covenant. I want to have that burden to see this generation. Like the Lord wants me to see it. I, I want to be that conduit of the Holy Spirit that helps people know the Lord Jesus. Seriously, I want you to get up out of your seat and I want you to come stand down here. And I want and we're gonna we're gonna Marty, just get up in your seat, because I know the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Just get up in your seat, come stand here. Marty's gonna sing a beautiful song. And I want us just to wait and take this in. Then I'm gonna pray. Then we're going to sing another song. So those of you who would like to pray, it's like, Lord, I want to be a Nehemiah in this generation. I want just a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, just awaken me afresh. Just come on up and stand up here. Let's worship. Just come on up and we will pray.